0: Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic. I love the show. I love doing this for you and with you. I love the stories that come out of it. And We've even had some of you, the listeners, who have pitched us your stories and we've said, yes, we want to hear from you and because we're so good and to be guests, which is really cool. But we have a guy today who I've known for a long time, and uh, I met him through his daughter, Katie Turwalt, Her and her husband, Brian Terwalt, work with Jesus Culture, and just are incredible musicians. And I ended up meeting her dad and mom at uh, her wedding, where I performed. I officiated the wedding, and it was so cool because Mike was on a journey. Her dad, Officer Horn, we'll call him today. Uh, Mike was on a journey as a pastor, and he was working with youth and uh, troubled youth, and some things out of a out of an official state program, not like more of a ministry and. And he was just talking about some stuff that I was like, I want to see where this goes. And he ended up hearing God to go into corrections. And I want him to be able to tell that story. But can you imagine in your, I think he's in his mid fifties or whatever, to go into change your whole career from deep pastoral calling for 20 plus years, then going and working with at-risk youth. And then from that, actually becoming a corrections officer, looking at policy, wanting to change policy and corrections, and then all hell breaks loose in the world around us as well. And when it comes to America's, you know, correctional officers and the whole thing. And so I love the fact that he went in at the right time. Like he started working a couple of years before kind of this big movement that says we have to bring a lot of change to this to feel safe with this. And you have God appoint and anoint somebody into this entire system. And I think it's important that we listen to stories that are God leading people to do things, especially in political hot topic areas. When we hear the God story, the God narrative in it, it just changes so much and it causes us to pray differently, think differently, and it encourages our hearts, especially because we're hearing stuff on the news and we hear what's not happening. We hear what man's doing wrong. We hear what Satan's doing, but we don't always get to hear what God's doing. So it's my privilege to present some stories through through Mike today that I think is going to really encourage you, especially those of you who are maybe in your 50s and 60s and you're saying, man. How many years do I have left that are functional, useful? I know sometimes I get that. Probably once a week I get the email from somebody, even I know, where they'll say, I just feel like, you know, everything's happening with the youth, what's happening with our generation. A lot's happening with people, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And if Jesus only took three years to do his full call, maybe three and a half years to do his full call, when he was commissioned to the end of his call, to the end of his life. You can do a lot if you have three years left, if you have 20 years left. And so I'm going to encourage you, stay open to God, stay teachable to God, no matter what age you are. I know we have a lot of listeners of all demographic age groups, men and women. And I want to encourage those of you who are in the older age group to stay open, that God might pivot you and actually start something. I know many times I'll talk to people who, you know, started something in their older age and they'll say, man, I ask, I've heard this over and over. I ask God, why didn't you do this when I was younger, when I had energy for it? And God will say the same thing over and over because I want it it to be me and not you. And so a lot of times he lets us run out of all of our grace and our energy and everything we would do. And then we run right into what God would do. And we're like, really? I'm gonna do this at this stage of my life. And he's like, yes, you are. And I think it's interesting that when you deal with even the entertainment industry and Hollywood, uh, there was a study that it it was for up until a certain point, I think it was 2005, that the majority of oscar-winning movies were written by people over 35 so they were written by people and, and then it, when you look at 60 were written by people over 50. and a lot of the greatest writers for young adult fiction for science fiction for fiction these kinds of genres are in their 50s and 60s and so i think it's really interesting for that generation that demographic no one's left out you can do it any age but to be encouraged that a lot of things are seasoned in you now that can manifest into a whole new career so Uh, Mike's an example of that, but he's an example of a lot of things. So I'm going to encourage you keep your listening ears on. We got a journey to go on. Hey, my fellow explorers, we have a brand new book out. And if you've ever been given a word that you're a Joseph, an Esther, a Solomon, or a Daniel, you need to learn how to hear God the way that they did. You need to have that place inside of you that connects to God, that can believe for his solutions on the world today and for his problem solving ability, his wisdom, his strategy. And so we've written this book called Wired to Hear and it's connecting God's voice to your career and place of influence. You are gonna love this book. I wanna encourage you to get it today. My friend, Bob Hassan, who does Exploring the Marketplace with me and myself, wrote this to take you on a journey of how to succeed in your place of career with God's voice and with connection to him. Visit Bulls Ministries today and look up Wired to Hear or go to any bookstore you know and you should be able to find Wired to Hear. But get it, review it, and share it with someone else. Well, welcome back to Exploring the Prophetic. I have with me Mike Horn, Officer Horn. I've never called you Officer Horn before out loud, so it sounds (laughs) awesome. I mean, it's amazing. But Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having
1: me on the on the podcast, Sean.
0: No, I just I know your story, you and your family and just how you walk with God all these years and even the transition into corrections field and just, you know, that whole thing was so God-driven and I just thought it'd be a good thing for people to hear about your life, your family, your heart. You're just such a great communicator and great great human being. So I'm glad you're on today. Well, thank you. Well, let's start kind of going back. I mean, you <clears throat> And walking with God for a long time. So where did your relationship start where you start to realize he's talking to you and wanting to participate that way? Because I'm sure that some of the notes I read, uh even before that I didn't know, um, you've been exposed to a lot in the church, you've been exposed to a lot of great things. And so where does it all start for you?
1: Probably, uh since this is a prophetic broadcast, I'll start right there. You know, we were invited, I was on staff at a church in Brent County, and I think, you know, Caleb Klein, yeah, uh, But I was on staff there before Caleb was just a little boy. It was called Marine Christian wow. Life Church. And we were invited to uh, a presbytery um, not too far away. We took the trip, uh, senior leadership. And uh, you're not supposed to get called out. But we were all called out in that presbytery. And uh, that was sort of my first exposure in 1980 um, to three very powerful, life-changing prophetic words, John.
0: Well, a presbytery, for those of you who are listening, because that's kind of a term that not everybody uses in their church circles. It's a, it's, I'm assuming it's a retreat where there's people are going to be praying for you.
1: Yes. Yeah. And the people that are, yeah. are candidates for prophetic ministry have been fasting and praying for a week. So we just wow. walked in on, on an invitation and uh, Emmanuel Canastracy said, we don't normally do this, but, um, they called, called the three of us out and we got like, this is that, this is my first, my first time. So it was like, wow, what just happened?
0: Did you it know amazing. that happened or was that just like, Wow. Because a lot of those times, even what you've said to me, it feels like almost like biblical proportions calling out. It was like a very strong yes.
1: word. Yes, it was very, very strong. It was, it was. Uh, you know, you get those words of encouragement, but this was a kind of paradigm shifting, life changing word. So wow. it was the beginning of a journey, a prophetic journey. And I've been a student ever
0: since. I love that. I love even that language of like, you. it just puts you in learner mode, which is so yeah. amazing. So take us on the the story, the journey story. You were a pastor during that season, and take us through some of the transitions of how God's walked with you through life. Because you, I like the story even about Katie and how you guys were trying to have children. You almost adopted from India. Like, tell yes. us some of these stories.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's probably there's lots of in between, but probably that was one of the most significant. And you know, Paul Kane came to our church probably twice a year, and we were good friends. I used to pick him up at the airport and his first uh, question to me was, uh, Mike, you're doing fine. How am I doing? (laughs) So we, we had, we had fun together, but yeah, he, um, one of the years, mid 1980s, he came and he started prophesying um, back when you could, um, he started prophesying what he called grace packages, which were basically uh, parents who didn't, couldn't have children, were going to have children. And they were released over the, um, uh, congregation and um within you know we had been trying for a long time we the only thing we hadn't tried was in vitro but we'd been doing everything else and we'd kind of decided that you know we're going to adopt a baby from india i had been going to miss to india doing missionary evangelism and so we started down that journey and then um you know after that word uh within 24 months um we had katie katie michelle horn who's now katie michelle torwell
0: that is so cool <laughs> yeah. I mean- what a life interruption. That's what I love about hearing God's voice too. And especially if there's prophetic ministry around it, or even it's just us individually hearing God's voice, how he He gives us options and he changes the direction of our life. And he gives us things that weren't accessible with our own. Like you guys tried to have a baby. You couldn't, I love your hearts to adopt, but all of a sudden God's like, no, I actually have this child for you. And what an epic child she is. For those of you who don't know Katie Turwalt, Katie and her husband, Brian, who are dear close friends of mine they uh, are worship leaders of Jesus culture and have just, they've, they've defined some things in music, you know, Grammy award-winning writers. They're just amazing, but it takes people like you guys to raise a Katie. So like, let's get, stay on the journey. Cause it's about you guys. And, and really Mike, I, I want to kind of go into, when was the first time you started to hear from God? What were some of those, those moments that you knew it was God talking and what happened from it?
1: Oh, wow. That's, um, that's probably a much longer story, but, um, I just think that, you know, just the, the growing my connection, you know, there wasn't really, I was reading all the books. I traveled to Kansas City and sat under, you know, um, those guys and and was learning and growing and hungry um, to hear God's voice and to know God's voice and to be able to discern God's voice. So, um, you know, books and conferences and everything I get my hands on. And, you know, it was just a process, Sean, just yeah. growing and understanding and there were obviously some misses and some mistakes along the way, and there were protocols around that, too. What to do if you miss it, what to do, you know, because we're in learning mode. So taking responsibility, but growing through the process and learning to discern better and better. But the, the emphasis was really at the bottom line, you know, from um, from uh, all the books and conferences I went to is really just about growth and intimacy. It wasn't yeah. a, a strict methodology or formula that you follow. I mean, there were some great principles taught, but it was really about growing the secret place. So it's from those from those places where I just began to recognize, discern, and know. Um, in fact, uh, Emmanuel Canastracy's word for me in 1980 was. Um, you will know that which is of God and that which is of man and that which is of the demonic, you know, and it was just, it was a life-changing word. So I went with it and became a student. And so slowly over time in ministry, primarily in church-based ministry at that time, you know, we were just starting to um, call people out and give them words of encouragement. And uh, it just became something that became part of a lifestyle and became part of us.
0: Which I'm so glad you're sharing that before we go into some of the other story, because I feel like, so many people even with me they they think like it just you're magically hit with an anointed stick and it just all turns on and you're you know you just go for it and i hated prophesying yeah. as far as i like hearing from god for myself and when it was my closest yeah. friends, but i didn't like the actual effort of yeah going out and doing street evangelism or going and doing like presbytery as you call it we would call it prayer ministry lines at the end of services I would yeah. feel so much performance pressure, but I just, I knew what God could do through it and how he could love through it. So I I too went to conferences because there was no schools, so to speak at that time. And so I too went to conferences and went to classes and went to whatever I could on the prophetic and just practiced a whole bunch. and just, I wanted to learn that place of intimacy with God. And that pushed me outside of my introverted side to say, actually, this is part of like loving people, like not just loving yes. what I'm doing with you, but loving others and bringing other people into our experience that we're having together and also enjoying their experience. So I love that you're saying that because I I do think that even a lot of our listeners, some of the questions we'll get at times is about like, what do I do if I wasn't born with this gift or if I wasn't born with this anointing? And I'm like, most of us were not. (laughs) I was in a Christian home and I wasn't born with the anointing, so to speak, in that context. Maybe I was born with the destiny for the anointing, but I had to pursue it. Yeah, And I, you know, each one of us. So I I love that. Well, let's kind of push into a, a new gear because I you guys have had lots of transitions in your life. What transitioned you from ministry into going to, into corrections and becoming an officer?
1: Um, well, there were multiple prophetic words, but um, when I um, left my left the pastorate, the last pastorate, um, immediately one of my friends from Orange County, who was a prophetic guy, said, uh, "I've got some news for you, Mike. It might be good, might be bad. You get to decide. But um, you're going back <laughs> into the you're going back into the marketplace." I was like, "Oh no, you know." um i left the marketplace you know i quit pg e in 1978 and started my journey at genesis discipleship training center in santa rosa and you know my intentions were to never you know to never go out of outside wow. of vocational church ministry yeah. so this was a, a bit of an interruption which i i resisted at first but uh you know i have you know jamie galloway texting me from the east coast um i'm getting these words from guys like sean balls about um you know mass deliverance and um you thought you were ambushed but i'm in this and what does one one mean to you i'm getting all these prophetic words from credible people that i'm like i gotta pay attention but frankly i was a bit resistant to go back in especially uh a place like the department of corrections
0: yeah because you weren't going into like when you hear marketplace most people when they hear marketplace they think i'm gonna go start a business or work for a company exactly and you actually went into corrections what did that mean to you like how did you actually get led into that sphere, because that's a huge one it's, it's it's been a little intense for a while, not just the last two years, but the last ten years. yeah, and why do you think God brought you back there? What was it? I actually, I want to ask this, what was the first time you heard corrections, and what was your response to it? like when when did you think I'm gonna go and do this? like that that's yeah. a huge recreation of life,
1: yeah, yeah. My background was um largely bivocational um after pastoring a few times. Part of it was, and pioneering you know you are doing bivocational ministry so um i did complete my degree and i was working in a residential treatment facility for uh, adolescent boys on probation yeah,
0: I so i had the, i
1: had the, i had the youth side of it and uh, but i never i mean uh, corrections was really wasn't even on my radar but here's what happened you know i did uh, we had a, a school of ministry um in fresno uh, it was a satellite school it was a it was a bethel satellite school okay. in um in uh, in Fresno. And uh, one of my students worked for the Department of Corrections. So uh, she started planting seeds and I was like, no, no, I don't think so. (laughs) So she started planting seeds. And then, you know, the other part of it was, um, you know, sitting uh, uh, in a kingdom conference with leaders and, you know, sitting right next to Dick Joyce. And he says, Hey, I just got this picture. Uh, Let me, does it make any sense? So he started to tell me this vision in this picture. And I was like, oh man, I can't run from this. You know, it was just so obvious and so clear and so specific. I knew it was inevitable, but I was frankly dragging my feet and um wasn't excited, partly because of of, you know, I'm kind of at, at my age, it was like it's something you start in your thirties, not yeah. in your late fifties. <laughs> so um it was like, really? Am I am I really gonna do this? And then and then the last part of it is, you know, my um my family history, Sean, is a bit littered with uh, a lot of brokenness. Uh, my uncle um was incarcerated. Um Mm. I have lots of relatives that were in and out of the criminal justice system. So I felt a little bit of an obligation, frankly, that maybe this is a way for me to um, pay it back. And, hey, let's see if this this all of this stuff that I've learned and been trained in and known for so many years, let's see if it works out there. In yeah. fact, not just out there, but let's see if it works in, as Jamie Galloway said, you're getting ready to go into a very dark place to do ministry. And I was like, okay, I'm yeah. oh, in. So that was the beginning of a, you know a journey that, where I am at today.
0: So tell me some of the first times after you got into this career field, some of the first times that, that God seemed to show up or, or where you had that, I'm, I'm in the right place. This was the right decision. Um, Well, you know, from the, uh, from the get-go, I was, um,
1: I was introduced through a mutual friend to the leader of the uh, correctional agency. And um, we had a great conversation that subsequently was followed by, you know, a, Going into a paramilitary academy at 59 years old um, and doing these uh, like fitness uh, exercises that, you know, that are a bit difficult, you know, for somebody my age. And of course, they called me the elderly man in in this academy. And, (laughs) you know, I was frequently asked by the instructors, now tell me why you're here. It's like, so it was like, but, you know, I was holding on to, uh, Sean, I was holding on to words that God had given me that were pulling me through the difficulties, the tests, you know, the, you know, all the things that are part of the training. And at my yeah. age, it was a bit of a challenge. So there was, at that point, I wasn't doubting anymore. I did. Uh, this is a, a little bit of detail, but, you know, I was on the gun range. I failed the test at the, on the gun range. So I had to do oh, remediation. Um, but, you know, at that point, you know, there's a little bit of pressure, like, Hey, might you just drop out? It was like, um, I can't now. So I did the remediation passed with flying colors. But um you know there it was it's been like that the whole time from the training to walking into Folsom walking into the prison uh, that I worked at, and then um, to the position I'm at today where we are we are being leveraged to influence like in systemic ways in very powerful ways and throughout throughout the agency. It's just incredible, Sean. But it all it's all rooted in words, prophetic words yeah. that that I received over the last several years that gave me an anchor um, to keep, stay focused and to to finish and to not give up.
0: Yeah, I'm sure a lot of um, what you do as far as this this thing that you've trained and you've gone to conferences and schools and been a pastor and help people through, you know, when you have to go into this kind of you know, your are a correction officer when you have to go into that, and and you have to be more stealth or you have to be more down low in some ways. Yes. I'm sure the creativity of God to come through in some ways is way different than you expected. Because I know for me, even like doing stuff with the marketplace right now, I mean, some of the things we're brought into, they'll tell us, here's the list of things we don't want to bring into this. (laughs) And here's what we don't want to say, because we know you're a Christian or we know we're bringing you in for this, but can you be other than what you normally are so that you can fit in here and connect, you know, whether it's at a Silicon Valley type company or whether it's at, you know, with, I did something with uh, police officers over Skype or Zoom Mm -hmm. Uh, not too long ago and I just was like it was really interesting because I wasn't coming as Sean Bulls the minister in the church they didn't even know that guy I was coming as like somebody who can come in and bring counsel and insight and hopefully some hope yeah and it was so different Mm -hmm. because I couldn't even use the same language I mean for you you're now wearing a hat that has so much authority to it in our society and is also a controversial hat how are you seeing God like in those moments where you're having to be stealth or you're having to be You're having to preach Christ every day and sometimes use words, as St. Francis of Assisi says, like like, walk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that has been some of the most exciting and fun part of this journey is learning a new language. Um, It is a bit of the down low. It is flying under the radar. It is stealth, but learning how to speak the language, learning how to um, understand and get your, your embedded in the culture, you're engaging at that level and working with um, both officers and inmates and um, finding ways to talk about, to model and to talk about what does redemption look like in there. Wow. So, and then being able to um, practice prophetic ministry, but in ways that are different than you would do prophetic ministry in the church. So you're not wow. using scripture per se, but you're you have talking about-
0: You a story about, you can think of when you say
1: that. What's, oh Is yeah, it- yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah, both just, casually working with some of my coworkers and that, that, you know, they're going through all the challenges of life that many of us do. Um, but, um, just saying things like, um, I'm sensing that this is happening and, um, their responses will, can we talk about that? And I'm like, well, for sure. So, you know, you're at the officer station and they just start to open up because you've wow. created a safe place. Um, one particular fun one that I'll mention was with an inmate that, um, you know, inmates get visitation; they get to visit family. So, I—I um, uh, I didn't get this completely right, but it was still fun, and it was close enough. But one of the um, men on my tier, um, uh, I was talking to, he was sweeping the floor. He was a porter, and he said uh, he was talking to me. And I said, "Who is uh, Tanisha?" And he said, uh, "Tanisha, I don't know no Tanisha." I was like, "Oh man, okay." Uh, he goes, "I have a sister named Venetia." I said, "Oh, that's close enough." <laughs> That's a bad thing. Yeah. And I said, Uh, you're supposed to listen to her. He said, Are you a psychic? <laughs> and I said, wow. No, I'm not a psychic. It's not like that. So I kind of broke it down a little bit for him. And that it really um it flipped the switch on in him, you know. And so wow. our conversations changed. But that just moment, and you know, I didn't get it completely right, but I got it close enough and said, um, you're supposed to listen to your sister. Her name's Venetia." And he goes, How did how did you know that? And I'm like, Well so we explained a little bit to him but the reality was you know he says i know i'm supposed to listen to my sister and she had is kind of that person in the family that everybody listens to so it was very simple it wasn't profound but it was enough to um really influence him in a real positive way sean
0: no and i i again i love that because i think of i visited many prisons through years not like i mean i haven't I, when i said i don't tune any of my own horns i feel like i've done um, prison tourism to pray for people here and there, but I haven't actually ever planted roots anywhere and done anything significant. But uh, but I've done it enough, you know, thirty times or so, where I've just I've known there needs to be a change. And we talk about in the church a lot transformation. We talk about how God mm-hmm. wants to transform systems and structures, yeah. but it really takes people who um, go in and build like you're doing, which is just being really there, being really present. And what you said, yeah. developing a culture of safety, and I don't think that happens very often. And I've even gone to some Christian prisons that sometimes feel more um constrictive or uh idealistic but not practiced than some of the other prisons i've been to so what do you what are you hoping for in the and your and god bringing you into this and saying spend your life these golden years of your life in this way that's a huge sacrifice for you to do for your family and for everybody else to say i'm going to change careers and do this for the next however long what are you hoping god will do through it
1: um you know one of the things I miss that I just want to touch on real quick and yeah. I've learned I've learned this over the years but um um I've I've learned to um I love the prophetic ministry but I've learned to try to do ministry and I probably learned this from Heidi but um I've learned to and I'm still learning how to do ministry out of connection yeah. um, out of relationships. so I'm not really like a parking lot approach person yeah. I don't know you but I have this you know I mean I yeah, it's happened but Primarily, it's just learning how to connect with people, not to, you know, so you can figure out words for them, but more just to build connection relationships. So there is, you know, you're just there's a context for it to happen. And then it has more influence. It's received better, you know, all those things. So I just wanted to say that before I answered your question, which I'll answer now. And that is that, um, you know, uh, I believe that God is positioning people like me into uh, places that really they're not qualified for. I'm in one now. But he's positioning me and leveraging the influence to have incredible uh, outcomes incredible uh just stuff that is almost surreal to me uh Sean just in terms of you can't make this stuff up and that is yeah. you know I'm working in a division now I worked in a Folsom prison for or I worked in the prison for two years but I um I'm in a situation now where we're influencing the entire um, agency systemically and I'm wow. talking about public I'm talking about rehabilitation and I'm talking about fundamental shifts that you're seeing and I'm seeing across all the sectors, but it's how we've done corrections, how corrections started in this country. The former secretary of the agency um, at one point said, you know, we're bringing the humanness back to um, corrections and um, we've been kind of following that lead and we're seeing changes right out of the gate, Sean, just in terms of training, how we train new officers all the way to um, policy and how policy is driven. It's just, uh, it's surreal and it's like, um, I'm I'm way underqualified and and yet realizing that, uh, and, and it's things that you've said as well, that God is positioning people and leveraging their influence.
0: I mean, just a few years in and some things are happening like this. I think that's remarkable because I think that, you know, I think of my brother-in-law who's been in corrections um, in California for, I mean, he had almost a 30 year career, just just recently retired. And it took him 25 years before he had even, Uh, what you're talking about even had a voice into that. So I'm just so excited about what God's doing. Tell me this, uh, because I know, you know, I like when you said the humanness. I know there's Christians right now who are struggling and they're saying, okay, Officer Mike, you know, like what is God doing between the police forces of America and between the citizens of America? Like give us some hope there as far as what you're seeing and what you think God's doing so that when people hear you, because it's more authentic when it's, it's coming from you. I could say, you know, all these things make all these rhetoric statements but you saying like here's what i see god doing i think it just speaks volumes to an issue when we're exploring the prophetic what's god doing and incarceration we got what's god doing in corrections what's god doing in all these different areas
1: yeah yeah and the part of this is it lines up with um you know uh, when you came uh, to our church in fresno and you did uh, the wedding for brian and katie you spoke at our church the next morning and you gave multiple words. And one of the words you gave to me, um, connection with uh, an Old Testament character by the name of Moses, was that mass deliverance was coming. And you said mass deliverance. And you spoke this to me, mass deliverance. Now, you know, we don't always know in what context that word will manifest. And sometimes yeah. we, like, we try to figure it out. But a lot of it's just in the waiting. And it's been in the waiting. Uh, words that I've received 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago are manifesting now. So it's in the waiting and learning how to be patient and learning how to walk and step and, walk through the processes, but I'm saying all that to say that I believe that we are in uh, across it's my, from my own research and my personal opinion that um, uh, criminal justice at large is undergoing a fundamental reform. It's fundamental uh-huh. reform. So you're hearing things like restorative justice. You're hearing things um, more that are more intentional. Uh, we I just finished a three month training. Uh, we, we studied Norway and Norway's correctional sure. system where uh, recidivism uh, which is the reoffensive reoffending rate is at 21%. Ours is at 67%. Wow. So they're doing something right that we wanted to study. So the executive leadership on down uh, in our agency, studying these um, correctional agencies around the world to see what they're doing that maybe that we could adopt. So So there's some very, very powerful things are happening that I'm very excited about, and that's why I'm here as a pastor for so many years, this is what you do. It's about yeah. second chances. Cool. It's about helping people. It's about transformation.
0: I love that. I, I just think of your compassion your empathy that you have so strongly. I mean, you're a man's man, but you have this side of you that's so tender hearted and it's so beautiful. And I know it's been displayed so many times to so many people. And so to go into corrections, we need people who have that tender heart and that compassion, but also have a father's heart, which yes. means no one's getting away with anything. You know? Yes. <laughs> You hit it. You hit it. Yeah,
1: and it is—it is, it is exactly that tension.
0: Yeah, and
1: the, there is a bit of uh, what we call in our world a uh, role conflict, role ambiguity, because walking and living in that tension is uh, is very interesting and challenging at times. Because we yeah. are pro law enforcement, um, we um, we believe people need to be held accountable, but at the same time, we believe there's a, the redemptive side and believing that people can have second chances. Is, it's really it's really a part of the philosophy of corrections and um, but yeah. it's not always it's not always implemented well because we're still learn, still learning how to. And well, you, you know um, we can't just indiscriminate, indiscriminately release people back into um, society that haven't that haven't done work, that haven't rehabilitated, that haven't been in the processes um, when you have inmates that just do time. Um, And then they get out and they're not ready to get out. There's no supportive services available. I mean, it's a huge conversation.
0: No, and I'm so glad you're in the middle of it. I'm so glad you're in one of those spaces that's having a really profound conversation. It's one of the reasons I I wanted to have you on because I think to watch Pastor Mike turn into Officer Mike and for you to not just go in as an officer, but to go in really believing to be a reformer and to help other reformers and help other people in the system. I wanted people to hear that for who are listening to our podcast, because I feel like it it imparts so much hope. I mean, I think of like, we could do it one of two ways. We'd be like gladiator who believed in a Rome that would never exist. You know, I love yeah. Maximus. It's one of my favorite characters, yeah. but he was idealistic and he died a martyr for something that would never exist. Or we could be in step, listening to God, not based on the principles that need to exist, but based on the fact that God himself has a plan for corrective justice and God himself yes. has a plan to put people like you in place. And so you're not just dying for a system that won't exist. You're actually living for a system that can exist. And I think, I wanted people to kind of get a feel for that from somebody who was in it who I trust and I really love you guys as a family. And so thank you so much for being on. Sure. Thanks for sharing a little bit of your story and how you got in there. And um, uh, we just are so looking forward to seeing what God will do in one generation over incarceration, over the prison system, over the police forces. I just think we're in a time where it looks so hopeless to some people. I actually have more hope than ever because things are on the table that haven't been on the table yes. since we started. Yes. And so thank you for being in this position. And we just pray. Think of think of everyone who's listening. Think of uh, Officer Horn and think of all the other people who are in positions like this who need our prayers right now. Yes. We just pray for safety, but also mm-hmm. for wisdom and revelation <clears throat> for that connected heart of God. Yes. Thanks, Mike.
1: Yes, yes. And, and the last word is, I am recruiting, FYI. Oh, good. More generally and broadly, people that would um, take those risks and step out into the marketplace in this sector. Um, yeah. Just getting more people to sign up and and feeling that call.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. Well, we pray that if you're hearing that spiritual call and you listen to Officer Horn and it makes you feel like, wait, that's where I'm supposed to go to. I need to be a part of that conversation. I need to be a part of that world. Yes. I I pray that you all find each other. (laughs) Well, thanks, Mike, for this awesome conversation today. Thank you, too. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation, and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transiting God Mentoring, where you receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com, where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more. Or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.